value can only be understood if you talk about multiple values and not just financial capital. So you have this whole debate about multi multi capitalism instead of mono capitalism. So the whole system has focused on financial capital or generating financial capital, but we have forgot about or forgotten about you know planetary capital, about intellectual capital, about relationship capital. But this is all a part of the value of a company. And if we don't understand interdependencies, and if we don't understand that financial capital is just an outflow of that. But the priorities are within the system that we are based on, so planet and our interactions, our love, our emotions, then we cannot come to a real assessment of value. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I'm Becca Heft, Chief Brand Officer at Sunrise Banks, and I'm again joined by Brian Toft, Sunrise Banks Chief Revenue Officer. Hey, Becca, always great to be here. Uh, David Ryling, our usual host, is out finding the next big thing in banking. And I think our listeners are going to be really fascinated by this guest, especially those interested in the role of sustainability in an organization. Yeah, I agree. And today we're speaking with Jan. And Jan, I'm going to ask you to help me say your last name because I'm afraid with my American accent, I am not going to say it correctly. Jan, is it Kapu? It's Köpper with an Ö, but that's very specific German, so might be difficult for you guys. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, thank you, Jan, for joining us. And um, and Jan is from GLS Bank, and we're just so glad you're here. But before we jump in, uh, this is just a reminder to stick around to hear our musical feature at the end of the episode. Each Next Gen Banker episode showcases one new artist from somewhere around the globe, representing a wide range of different genres. So be sure to check it out. I want to start by giving a little background on our guest. Uh, Jan is the head of Impact Transparency and Sustainability at GLS Bank in Germany. He has particular expertise in sustainable development, corporate social responsibility, sustainable business, development, and international relations. And GLS, like Sunrise Banks, is a member of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. And GLS stands for something which I understand translates to Community Bank for Loaning and Giving. Jan, could you tell us what does GLS stand for? How would you, how do you say that? Yeah, in German, um, it's basically what you said. It's German, it's community for lending and gifting, if you wish, because we have a different perspective on capitals, so to say. So we say capital is love. And this law is transported via different forms of capital, such as lending, consumption, and gifting. And this is how we translate our work into the forms of capital. I love it. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Jan, you've had an extensive history in the financial sector, and most recently you've been at GLS. Could you start by telling us how you got into the banking sector and what really drew you to values-based banking? So basically what, what drove me here is uh, when I started after my study um, to look for jobs, I started to work at CSI Europe in Brussels. And this was somehow a different time, you know, it was 2009. We were still discussing or trying to explain and make the case for the business case of sustainability. And it was very much uh, at that time, what is the holy grail? You know, how we, can we put sustainability at the core of, of, of business? And of course, we need to make sure the business case is understood. Then I worked there and at the end of my job over there, I wanted to back, get back to Germany because I have two kids and I wanted to have them closer to me. And then I said, okay, what, what really is, you know, the leverage that we have 
when we try, try to put sustainability at the heart of business. And that's basically capital flows, I thought at least at the time. And then trying to understand capital flows, financial markets, and you know how we can have conditions or requirements for lending and investments that are in line with social and environmental issues. And then I had the big uh, chance or, yeah, let's say, luck to find something at my hometown, which is a sustainability rating agency. Um, and they are working for investors basically to yeah, assess ESG issues, you know, to make sure that different exclusion criteria, positive criteria are translated to investment strategies. But then after a while, I thought, okay, understood, you know, I understand the market now, I understand the language, but it doesn't really, you know, make a change. It's too slow, it's too little. And then this job opportunity opened and I was um, advised to basically yeah, make an application at GLS Bank. And GLS Bank was my client at that time. And GLS Bank is, you know, so hardcore sustainability that I thought, yes, okay, now there's the leverage point. I can combine hardcore sustainability with hardcore financial market knowledge, put this together and really have a leverage on sustainable development. And this is where I'm still trying to learn. I mean, this field is so big and there are so many crazy terms used also in the financial language, trying to make it very complex for very easy <laughs> things and very easy logics, but very, very complex language. So it's still a lot of things to learn. And specifically also sustainability is such a complex and, you know, challenging, but also interesting field that it's every day is just a journey and it's a gift to work here with such beautiful people and such a great community. I, I love uh, that intersection of sustainability and financial market knowledge, and it really seems to show up in the title that you hold right now, which is the head of impact, transparency and sustainability. And tell us more about that role and what you do. Yeah, I will try to keep it in a nutshell and then rather dig into the deep dive uh, if you if you wish. Um, but basically, my role is to account for our societal impact. And there we have developed a quite specific and unique method to account for that. So how can we make sure that on the one hand, we communicate and measure our impact, but specifically, how can we use that for internal management processes? So how can we strengthen our impact? How can we make sure that conflicts of interest are also addressed in terms of sustainability? Where are sustainability issues maybe in a, in a field of conflict with one another? How can we adjust them? You know, how can we provide solutions to that? And the other one is the sustainability part, uh, which most people know already, but it's the business operations on the one hand, but then also stuff like sustainability risk management, integration into, you know, risk management processes, um, reinventing loan processes and client dialogues and, and et cetera. So it's quite a big field. And I would love to talk more about that because it's specific for GLS Bank, which, as you said, has been a social environmental bank since 1974. So why do they need someone like me when they are so sustainable? You know, so if you wish, we could talk about that. But I said I keep it in a nutshell, so we'll stick to that for a while. <laughs> no, actually, I'd love to hear and I'd love to hear some specific examples, too, just to make it more tangible for our listeners. Absolutely. Happy to do so. Um, I think what has really changed is um, the dynamics of the sustainability debate, you know, so for GLS Bank being founded in 1974, having a very clear vision and mission and values, the whole sustainability topic has always been from hearts and guts, you know, because it's also um, combined with a spiritual, yeah, let's say, element of how we view human beings and social interaction. So it's a quite specific bank. We have anthroposophic roots. So it's a little bit specific also in the spiritual view on human beings. But a lot of sustainability issues have always come from hearts and guts, if you wish, you know, or from a conviction. 
But now in a new competitive environment, in a new market development, things get broken down to data, concepts, methods, you know, scientific evidence. And this is something that GLS Bank still needs to learn. So really changing the culture towards science-based approaches, data collection, for example, you know, okay, we need to collect data. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. We need to, you know, we need to understand how we can use that for the good and all this stuff. So that's really a change of mind. And to make it more concrete, um, for impact transparency, for example, we said, what are the, can we really define and make it very specific what the values are that we are standing for within the sectors that we are financing? So basically we have come up with, we call it visions of the future. So how do we want to develop our sectors in terms of social cultural emancipation? So it's rather a normative approach of how we would love to see a sector develop. This could be, for example, in terms of, um, we call it nutrition. There's one sector they call, we call it nutrition. It could be that completely organic agriculture. So 100% organic agriculture is one vision of the future. Then regional value creation or something like resilience and innovation. And then we have used different topics to create one vision of the future per sector that we are financing. And this vision has been translated into impact indicators so that we can account and challenge if we contribute to this vision of the future. So let's say, you know, how much agricultural land have we financed that is actually organic? Or what is the value chain of our clients in terms of regional value creation? You know, and trying to, on the one hand, account for impact, but specifically also discussing impact, you know, creating a narrative of change, as we call it, as a community to make sure we have a common compass that we can all work towards. So you talked about vision of the future. Is that a, a tangible thing that is set by the bank to say, this is our vision of the future, this is what we want to see, whether it's X number of agricultural land, you know, saved or whatever it might be. Is that what you're talking about? Like actually stating specific goals and then measuring the data to get to those goals? Exactly. Exactly the way you put it. Yeah. But this is rather the normative part. So this is saying, how do we want to develop in, in line with our conviction of solidarity of certain values? Mm -hmm. And then there's a next step towards that. That's the factual, you know, this factual part. So we have a normative framework and a factual framework. Okay. And the factual framework is basically the donut economics, where we say there are planetary boundaries and social social flaws. So how can we get the whole yeah, economic system, basically, to work within the donut idea? Mm -hmm. So there are two streams of impact, factual and normative. That's what I'm trying to say. And Jan, am I correct in that when you say donut, are you referring to donut economics? That exactly. whole concept? Okay. Yeah, Kate Wayworth, Donut Economics, because it visualizes quite nicely. Okay. And um, and that's the, the basic premise of the normative and the factual, correct? Of the exactly. donut economic model. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. So if, one thing, as I was looking at GLS Bank, there were, there were two things that stuck out to me. One was that the bank views economic gain, gain as a consequence, but not the purpose of its actions. I thought that was a really uh, great way of putting it. It's really a consequence. And then at a, at a baseline of everything you do, GLS is aware of its responsibility to people in nature, which I think is kind of what you just touched on around sustainability. And, you know, personally, I view a bank as a connector. And I think that the more that people live within their values and a bank lives within its values, the more you can connect those that share your values and it kind of multiplies from there. 
Um, and so um, with GLS being kind of a pioneer in that sustainable finance movement, I, I kind of want to dig a little deeper into an interest of mine with sort of loans and loan processes. You kind of mentioned, you know, it's a factor, this sustainability piece and loan processes. How does that work? Do you do you assess a loan um, based on its environmental impact or sustainable impact as well as its kind of repayment capacity? Exactly. But the same way that you put it. So first of all are the social environmental screening issues and then comes the economic part. And I think that's also quite unique somehow because not many banks are doing it that way. But first of all, we have our first line of defense, let's say, which is basically our financing and investment criteria. They are public on our website, very transparent, and you can see you know, what kind of sectors are excluded what kind of positive screening criteria have we, what kind of negative screening criteria do we have. That's the first line of defense. Second line of defense is basically impact. So does that project or the company account for the visions of the future that we have defined? And then how far do they contribute to this vision of the future? And only if they make it through these first two lines of defense, then we calculate actually you know, the whole economic part of it. And where we have conflicts with our values, there's a specific, um, how do you call it, gremium, um, a specific advisory board, let's say, that is um, set, uh, put together by different departments. And we are discussing, okay, does that fit our criteria? Not. And, you know, how can we make sure that conflicts uh, are addressed and somehow solved? Thank you, Jan. That's, that's really um an interesting concept, and I applaud GLS and the work that you've done because it's so progressive um, and it feels like you're pioneering the way. But let me ask you this, because we have conversations, for example, not only in Europe, but in the U.S. specifically around how can businesses, corporations, banks, how can they make that first step? towards um, showcasing values and their impact beyond the bottom line. So when we think about the best way to measure how to get started, what would your um, advice be to an organization that really sees the need and has a passion around talking about this? But what would be the first best step for them to take? Yeah. Depends, of course, on, you know, sector, on maturity level, on context but let's put this away for aside for a minute. I think the most important thing to start off is to reduce complexity. Because if you're starting, then it's a lot of things you could work on in terms of sustainability. But how can you reduce complexity and focus on priority issues? This would be the first thing. And this is best done by internal stakeholders and external stakeholders in discussions. You, we call it materiality in the assessments. You know that also, you know, you're just trying to have come up with a materiality assessment that actually grabs the internal culture, the internal emotions, but also the needs and uh, demands of external stakeholders, let's say. And then to come up with a certain, you know, compass of where do we kick off? And of course, it should be in the core business. So you should not, you know, just reduce a little bit of toilet paper or, <laughs> or printing paper or something, but really try to make it something that is aligned with your business model. And then I think you can really you know, get the hearts of the people and, and you get the enthusiasm of the people because they understand, ah, okay, this is something we can contribute positively. You know, we reduce complexity. We don't have to do everything at once, but let's talk, let's come up with emotions and let's focus on business model. And their materiality assessment is really a good way to start with. 
So Jan, if I'm just starting out, what resources would you recommend as well? Well, <laughs> I need to say that this, of course, depends on ambition. Um, sure. So I would say you have the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, which, which hands out a lot of sector supplements where you can at least, you know, have some orientation. What are the topics for my sector, for my organization that I could work on? You have a lot of associations, such as the GABV, for example, the Global Alliance for Banking and Values, where you find resources that you can you know, screen through and find different approaches and perspectives to sustainability. But what I love at the moment is reporting 3.0 from Bill Bowie and Ralf Turm, because they are actually setting a new standard of understanding sustainability in context of planetary boundaries and social flaws. So this is really cool because you then understand, okay, this is not something I could do, but I need to do it because there's mm. no other way, you know? And this is something where the first, you know, the, how you call it, the flip of the coin or something, how does it call it, you know, where you really, it sinks in because you understand, no, this is not an, not an opportunity, it's a must, so to say, or it's not a, you know? And I think this is really something which helps. And they have a lot of good stuff on the internet, um, quite provocative. <laughs> um, so you need to be ready to be provo provocated. But yeah, it's really cool to read through because it's another ambition level. Yeah, and one last question from me, and it's really about these um, impact reports that uh, I've seen other organizations do. I know Sunrise Banks does one. I know so many of the Global Alliance for Banking and Values do impact reports as well. Do you think that these impact reports or this reporting should be a requirement for companies, whether again, whether it's banks, larger companies, mid-size companies, et cetera? But do you think there's a general responsibility to produce and share these impact reports to the general public? I would definitely say yes. And I can also make the case for that. Um, also, depending, of course, what you understand under impact, because impact, the term is used very, very differently. And for some, it's just, you know, about CO2 emissions, then it is an impact. But you need always to contextualize which CO2 emissions, for, for example, is an output. And the output is only an impact indicator if you contextualize it to a certain goal, such as one and a half degrees uh, compatibility, for example. So CO2 emissions alone is no impact, only if you contextualize it to a certain goal. So this may be on, you know, what is impact. But I would definitely say yes, that you need to translate or report that because value can only be understood if you talk about multiple values and not just financial capital. So you have this whole debate about multi-capitalism multi instead of mono-capitalism. So the whole system has focused on financial capital or generating financial capital, but we have forgot about or forgotten about you know, planetary capital, about intellectual capital, about relationship mm -hmm. capital. But this is all a part of the value of a company. And if we don't understand interdependencies, and if we don't understand that financial capital is just an outflow of that, but the priorities are within the system that we are based on, so the planet and our interactions, our love, our emotions, then we cannot come to a real assessment of value. So we really say that the whole system runs through the collapse or to, towards the collapse at the moment because this has been the narrative in the past. We have not understood the stabilization of the system can only come if we look at all the values that stabilize the system. And this is definitely not financial capital. Jan, we always want to end on a positive note and uh, would love to hear your thoughts on what excites you for 2022 and beyond as it relates to banking. It could be sustainability or it could be something else. Yeah. Well, one thing is just that I'm very eager to 
cope with Corona or with COVID, um, because I think the past two years have been heavy in terms of creating sources of energy for our own well-being, you know. So we have been working very hard in our corridors and we have been focusing on our desktops and working all the time, but where are the sources of energy and we need to reinvent that. And I'm very much looking forward for myself to dive into 22 and uh, see, you know, what opportunities open up. And I've just bought a, um, a mobile home, basically, you know, to just get in and do home office in there and whatever you, but go out again. But the other thing is that there are two things, maybe real quick. One thing is, oh, the new generation is so great. You know, they are so, they're putting so much hope on the, on the plate. The, the create the creativity this whole you know thinking outside of the box the whole I'm fed up with the system as it has been in the past this is really something I'm looking forward to see how this evolves and in Germany we have a new uh, administration so really looking forward how they catch that up you know and how they will work with this new generation this new attitude towards economics and the final part just real quick is that this whole planetary boundaries and social fundament discussion has so much things to do or so many things are open. And so there's so much things to do at here. <laughs> so I can just, every day they say, okay, let's dive into that. Let's dive into that. You know, so I'm really just, <laughs> just curious and uh, very hopeful. Yeah. It's really a fascinating discussion, Jan. I mean, just how, you know, what GLS does in terms of putting sustainability and transparency at the forefront. And you really, you really describe that well uh, in terms of both what's practical, but also ambitious. And I think that that's what was really fascinating to me is like, GLS is so ambitious in what it does, and yet it brings it down to a level that's like, hey, what can we measure? What can we do? And what are those, what are those visions we want to see? What are those goals we have? So it was really fun to hear you talk about that, and you talk about it so well. So thank you for for doing that. Oh, thanks so much. Because I'm yes. always missing the words and always struggling to think. Okay, what is the right term again in English? So that's that's great. If it came across, that's wonderful. Yeah. You use the word emancipate, so I think we're in good shape here. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Vocabulary is broad, so it's good. <laughs> well, Jan, you are at the end of your day, um, and you're just outside of Dusseldorf, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, let's say yes. Yeah. Let's say yes. Yeah. Okay. A, a, sub, a distant suburb, maybe, of Dusseldorf. He's got his mobile homies all over the place. Right? Yeah, That's right. Oh, there's so much beauty in that. Um, you're just starting the day, or what is the time at your place? Yeah, it's 9.30. Oh, okay. No okay. And you, you you cope with me talking already. That's good. Okay. That's, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank well, you again, Jan. Wonderful. Oh, very welcome. Great yeah. to meet you. Take care. Yeah. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing Mason Zagoda. Mason is a Nashville-based singer-songwriter who seamlessly meshes influences from the late 1960s and early 1970s, while bringing a depth to her lyrics not heard in mainstream music. Her latest release is her 2021 EP, Postcard to the World. Here is her 2021 single, Poltergeist. He's a friendly ghost. He's in the rafters then sneaking up from behind to Inside my head is so contrived, he says You're always trying, never succeeding You're always driving, but you're never leaving me
was Poltergeist by Mason Zagoda. You can hear more of Mason's music on Spotify and on masonzagoda.com. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Baker podcast, just email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.